This is Marguerite Crispillo, and I'm super honored to have our guest, Tamara Doris, on today. I think uh, there's not enough time in the day for me to go over all of her accomplishments and all that she does, (laughs) but uh, Tamara, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And so I was trying to take a few minutes to read your bio. I mean, I've followed you for years on Facebook and your blog and all the videos you do, and you're hilarious, first of all. Much of what you post is very funny. <laughs> Thank you. But going through your bio, it's craziness what you have done. 13 books? <laughs> I know. My husband wonders when I'm going to stop. You know, I always say this is going to be the last one. I don't need to write another book. But then, you know, as we grow and we learn, oh, i got to write a book about that. So, yeah, I'm kind of, I kind of have a – it's a problem. I need to be in a 12-step <laughs> program. <laughs> I, I think it's a good problem to have, however. <laughs> you know, I have to say, um, one of my favorite memories has to do with my grandfather. I'm sure you remember. I took my grandfather to a fundraiser for the Blind Association. Oh, yeah. And and he was there, and there was a yellow uh, Ferrari out front. And my grandpa uh, had very limited sight, but he loved women, of course, more than anything. And so I told him there was a hot blonde standing out front, and he was so excited. And so he says, well, you have to introduce me. You have to introduce me. (laughs) And so I I introduced him to you, and you gave him a big hug, and we took pictures with a Ferrari. I think uh, he was walking on clouds for a few months. Oh, I just, I was so sorry to hear about his passing. He was just the sweetest man. I really enjoyed flirting with him that night. Yeah, he was really a genuine guy. So thank you for uh, lighting him up for a while. That was certainly oh, something that absolutely. made his day. But you do that a lot in everything you do. I, I, I've noticed that, um, like I said, you've written a ton of books. You do yoga. You teach real estate at the college. You teach a ton of stuff about real estate, which I think is great. And, um, of course, you love wine. I know that, too. Everyone knows that. There's a... <laughs> There's no secret there. It's so funny, Marguerite, because I'll, I'll get on Facebook, and if there's a new wine thing out, you can better believe that five people have posted it to my wall. I'm like, really? <laughs> it cracks me so, up. So let's talk a little bit about some of the real estate um, teachings and stuff you've done. You teach at the local college, correct? I do. I do. And and I'll tell you, I, and I'm not, although I still have my license, I'll probably always keep it. I'm not active. You know, I, I'll take a listing here and there, but I'm not active in real estate. There's just not enough time in the day. And, and you kind of have to pick what, what you're going to focus on. And I'm sort of transitioning completely out of real estate as far as, as a practitioner. Um, but I started in the 80s, got my license, went to work after a few years with the California Association of Realtors. And I was there several years. And I left there when I finished graduate school, um, and I was when I left, I was the communications, uh, ma- the marketing communications manager for the the revs department. So I left there, and as soon as I left and started working on on writing, I was actually writing for the CAR magazine and, and some other magazines. Um, 
American River College contacted me and said, we would love to have you teach. And so I went, you know, for a really brief interview, and that was 10 years ago. So I started teaching, and I really got into it. And at one point, I thought, you know, I was, I was turning out, I was turning out students, um, you know, I can't even think of a name right now, but, but, you know, students that, that we would know that have gone on and gotten to the master's club. And I thought, you know, they're making really good money and they're telling me it's from what I taught them. What the heck's going on here? Maybe I should get my license again. So I did. I got my license again and, and I, I, you know, I kicked butt for a few years and, and had some fun, but I really found that my heart was in teaching more than it was in actual sales. You know, you are so well respected in our industry. I know that you mentor and you coach all of your agents and, and people have the highest regard for you as far as being a, a very active oh, broker and, and participant. Oh, you're welcome. Um, but that just wasn't my role. That wasn't, that wasn't what I was meant to do. And so, you know, and then of course I had affiliations with, um, with Sacramento State University where I, like for example, next week they're sending me to um, a Tuscadero to do some training in conflict management. And so I really, I really love that. I love the, the training aspect and the personal development aspect in and outside of real estate. And so that's kind of how I ended up. I just kept writing books and I teach on them and I do workshops and I'm just really floating around having a good time. Well, I think that's awesome. And what I do love is in, in reading uh, a lot of the stuff that you talk about and teach, you know, the law of distraction, um, intention, that kind of thing. I love that stuff. That's always so fascinating to me. And well, I, I think yeah. that in teaching and helping real estate agents, there's so much more of that than they that they should pay attention to as opposed to just the sale. And so what would you say in all the teachings that you've done has been maybe the most insightful part you've gotten from helping real estate agents? Or, or where do they struggle the most, I guess, would be a better question. I would say the, the biggest struggle, and it, it, not surprisingly, it, it would be the biggest struggle for any of us in any aspect of sales um, or entrepreneurship, and that is coming from a mindset of fear and rejection and you know all of those things lumped up and and one of the things that I try and teach my real estate students and because I incorporate this intention stuff as much as I as much as I can without violating any academic rigor I mean I absolutely have to adhere to that but but I do I do take my own time and my own experience and share things as I'm able and one of the things I try to express to to my students is you're not in sales you're in service and getting that mindset that shift it kind of opens up a whole new arena of where they can put their attention because when we start to think of ourselves as salespeople then we are you know obviously we don't want salespeople calling on us it bugs us we don't answer the door or we don't answer the phone so if you think of yourself as a salesperson, then I think that that, that tends to put a block in front of it. It's an energy block because then you're going to resist reaching out. But if you look at yourself as a person of service and all you're doing is saying, hey, I'm here and I am, I am at your beck and call. I will help you. I will serve you if you need me. And if you don't, then forgive the intrusion and have a beautiful day. And when we can get that mindset, I think it, it makes a difference in the energy that we put out out to the people that, that are at the other end of it, and I think that, that it makes us feel better about ourselves. So I think fear is probably the one thing that blocks most of us, especially real estate agents. You know what, I think that that is so powerful, because for some reason over the years, just the word sales has 
gotten a negative connotation, right? It's become this right. this kind of uh, voodoo or bad word. When in reality, that's what we do every day in every aspect of our life, right? Every aspect. Pers- I mean, we have to sell ourselves. We have to, you know, that's how we end up with spouses. Not and, yet. Not uh, yeah. Exactly. Know. Not even. Not even. I mean, even in our own families. I mean, we, we're negotiating with our children. I negotiate with my dog. I mean, we're always. <laughs> we're always selling something, or in one respect or another. And I'll share with you, if I may. Um, one of the things I did at Sac State is that, that's kind of unusual because I usually teach state agencies. But one of the things that I've been doing the last few years is teaching one of the Sacramento area's finest um, automobile dealerships, a large, a large one. And when I first started, I, someone in real estate, was like, "Oh, car salesman! Oh, how am I going to teach executive management of car? I mean, and and I'm not going to lie to you, they are they are a tough crowd because they're so smart. But that aside, I learned a beautiful lesson, and that is, they have the same the same bit. At least this group does the same bit of integrity, and ethics, and honor." and charisma and energy and everything else that my finest group of real estate agents anywhere in the in the country that I've met <clears throat> excuse me so so the thing is is that even even someone that's seasoned in sales if you if we're going to call it that I'm doing air quotes even someone who's seasoned has that attitude about car salesmen and I was very humbled and learned that you know I was being I was being kind of prejudiced and now I have no doubt that I would go to one of those one of those um lots if if I need another new car because they're really great people. And I think real estate agents have a bad reputation, and you know as well as I do, Marguerite, it only takes one or two to ruin it for everyone else. And as long as we act ethically, then, you know, we're okay. People are not going to get that interpretation of us. Well, and I agree. You know, one of my favorite sayings is if you do what you love and the money will come. If you do it just for the money, you know, the money doesn't come. And that goes back to your comment about service and how important it is. You know, I even had, interestingly enough, I was talking to a client last night about listing their home, and they had somebody who said uh, that the the agents were not showing it because the commission was reduced. And and she said, would you not show a home because the commission was reduced? I said, of course not. I would show whatever my clients wanted to see, and then I would work out the difference later, you know. But anymore, it's you're doing what's best for your client, and you're taking care of them, and you're serving them, and you're helping them in whatever capacity you need to. And when you do that, the money comes. Yep. I agree. And so in in you've done a lot of other things, too. You've, I noticed you do a lot of yoga, and you're doing a lot of uh soul searching and and self-improvement, and that always fascinates me. What would you say is your favorite book? My favorite book, like, of all the books I've read in my life? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or what are you reading right now, maybe? Oh, well, and, and, okay, so so that's a dual answer because here's the thing. Although I started studying spirituality and personal and professional development about 20 years ago, um, I really, over the last several years, have taken a more scientific approach. So I I very, very much am rooted in spirituality. However, I have noticed when I do some of my speaking gigs and, and different workshops, people like the science behind it. And so 
you know, for, fortunately, I have been able to to locate authors such as Bruce Lipton and Candace Pert and Lynn McTaggart and Joe Dispenza. Um, these authors who are are neurobiologists and quantum physicists and and you know just brain science guys, and so they're really, really, really knowledgeable in that kind of thing. And so I, I study that. So right now I'm reading a book called You Are the Placebo by Joe Dispenza. But that said, I will never leave my spiritual roots. And I just finished um, I just finished a, my third reading of Autobiography of a Yogi. So I've read that many times. I read a lot of Louise Hay, a lot of Wayne Dyer, just all of that stuff. I've probably got 2,000 books sitting here looking at my bookshelf. <laughs> you know, I was laughing as I was looking on your blog at um, your videos. And one of my apprehensions of doing videos from my home office is because it, it can somewhat look a little like a hoarder's room. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> with, with so much junk I have in here, you know, all my kids' stuff and everything. And it was cracking up when I was looking at some of your older videos. I'm like, oh, well, my office looks a little worse than that, but not too bad. <laughs> See? See? And, you know, it's really, really funny because that – my husband spent, oh, I don't know what, he spent a few hundred dollars and he bought me, and, and, and it's on some of my more recent videos, he bought me this big, beautiful, um, I don't know, like, because he's a photographer, so professional photographers use it, and it's, there's one in lavender and there's one in blue, and it's this big, beautiful background, and it was such a pain to try to walk around it and whatnot, and I said to him, you know what? I want to change my office. I'm so tired of this dark green. I want to make it very light and airy, which he didn't, he wasn't really crazy about that whole idea because painting over dark green and cherry wood, ooh. So he, he did it though, and I will tell you, I, and in fact, I'm, as soon as I finish cleaning up, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll put it on Facebook next week or something, but I have all white walls and white shears, and it's just so nice and airy that I'll, uh, you know, I love being in here, but, I never paid attention, Marguerite, about the background because people people will look and whatever. They're listening to the message. You know, if you see my cat's butt in a video, I didn't stop and, and redo it. That's just how it goes, you know, and, and I, I think that's why people really, really resonated um, with my videos because I was just me. I'm not trying to be someone that I'm not. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of a lot of people do with their videos is they try to be something different than they are. I 100% agree with you, and, and that's why I was laughing about it this morning because I was like, I I totally feel like I connect with you in so many ways, even though we've met, only met, you know, a couple of times, because of how real you are and how you come across. And I, I think that that's becoming more apparent just in our society as a general to be able to be more who you who you are allows people to connect with you in a way that that goes beyond I don't know much of the the fancy you know formal attire and all of that. I enjoy much more videos of people who are real and connect and you know like I'm at my home office right now and I was like oh I probably have some chickens crawling in the back and some of things. But what I see in you a lot is uh, my perception at least is is a very balanced person in that you, well, you do a variety of things, but you seem to be able to be more balanced and, and enjoy all aspects of life instead of, I think many people get so focused on how hard they work. And, you know, I was talking to someone the other day who just got back from Italy, and, and she said, you know, the difference, and I discovered this too when I was there, 
is in Italy they work to live, and in America it seems that we live to work. Absolutely. Well, and isn't that the truth? Isn't that the adage that, that you just, you go, and I've seen it, and I know you have too, you see someone and they just bust their butt and they, because they want to provide for their family or they, they want to have security, and they work so, so hard, and then they're working so hard they're not acknowledging, and then their kids are gone, and they're grown up and gone, and, and you're like, okay, now what? You know, you work so hard, and, and it goes back to the, there's someone who did a study, and I'm sure we've heard this in, in just folklore, but there's someone who actually did a study where she went to um, this woman, oh, I want to say her name was Walsh, a nurse, and she went and she interviewed 100 people in hospice, and all of them, all of them, said the one thing they regretted was not taking more chances and not living life more fully. And that just really resonates with me in a way that, you know, yeah, I can I can do a little more work and make a little more money and and everyone would love a little more money, but I I would rather live my life, love my life, touch and serve other people. And, you know, as long as I can uh, afford wine, yoga classes, and my car payment, I'm pretty good. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll give my kids a little here and there, or maybe we'll take a little vacation, or like tomorrow we're renting a limo, we're going to go to Amador. I, li- I mean, I, I, but I can't say I'm going to be right, right up front and honest. I'm not, I don't have a million dollar net worth. I don't, I don't strive for it. I don't have it. And, and it's just not important to me. Um, because I don't think that money buys happiness. I think that happiness buys money. And so that's like what you said, exactly what you said. The money, the money will follow. So the money's always there. It's never, it's never been a problem. At one time in my life it was, but that was many years ago and I, I've just worked on it. But I, I think that we need to live life, like you said, balanced and full and, and just enjoy it. And people can tell when you're happy, don't you think? Absolutely. You can feel their energy different. Right, right. You know, it's um, interesting. My um, my mom uh, unfortunately passed away in 2009, mm-hmm. and I remember a conversation I had with her shortly before she died, and she said that I spent my whole life worrying for what? You know, I worried about everything, and what a waste of time. And so I was sitting here looking at your blog, and you have the video about warrior or warrior. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was so powerful because Again, you spend, I think people spend so much time. I'm reading a book right now I just finished called Life on Air. And in there, the book talks a lot about people spending all this time to keep up with the Joneses, right? Buying more and mm-hmm. buying more, buying a bigger house, fancier boat, bigger car. And you spend the majority of your life working to maintain that stuff and you don't ever get to enjoy it. And so I think that you're definitely on the right track, and and it's definitely been a um, an area that has shown up a lot for me lately. Is it's how hard do you want to work? You know, I I busted my butt and sold a ton of homes, and last year I sat down and I said, you know what, I don't need to sell that many homes, <laughs> especially if I don't have so many overhead and people working on my team and a number of other things. Right. You know, my last son is graduating. And I'm like, what the heck am I going to do with all my kids gone? And I think in following you and all you're doing, I think there's a ton of stuff for me to do. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, and it's so funny you say that because I think I think when I see a sell state sign, it's like it's it's your office, and 99% of the time it is, you know. <laughs> so you know, you've you've absolutely dominated. 
um, the the area. So when it, especially when it comes to HUD homes, I mean your your name is synonymous with HUD homes. So so you definitely made your mark in and and I'm talking about all the way up in Sutter Creek. I remember a few years ago selling a house in Sutter Creek and 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 uh, or showing a house in Sutter Creek, and two of them were yours. And that was when the market was really and I and we 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 lost the bid. But I mean, two of them were yours in Sutter Creek. <laughs> that was a bit crazy. It was out of control. And that so it's actually made me kind of step back a little bit and look. You know, I, I'm much more, that's why I've been doing a podcast and doing some other stuff. I'm just much more fascinated by life now and slowing down a little bit, enjoying things more, talking to great people like you, and learning a lot more about that stuff. And so I'm well, fascinated by some of the, um, you mentioned some of the science behind a lot of the spirituality. And what really kind of took you into that direction? Because that fascinates me. Well, what took me into that direction, and, and I'll tell you a couple things. I've got, I've got um, a new book coming out that, that you had mentioned, The Law of Distraction and the Art of Intention. And that takes a humorous look, a humorous approach at the law of attraction, but it adds the science in. But I added in softly because I didn't want to overwhelm the audience that I'm going for with this because I wanted there's 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 two you know there's many ways to skin a cat and one of the things that I feel that I've been I've been honored to do is to bring some of these concepts of spirituality to an audience that might not otherwise be found in the self-help or spirituality section of a bookstore so I use humor and it seems to be really effective however the book that I'm working and that book's coming out I think in two weeks there's another book that's yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, there's an adjunct book to that, Marguerite, that's called The Pocket Coach. And it takes the same concepts, but what I'm doing is very, very different for me and, and you know, I think a lot of authors in this realm, is I'm I'm presenting it um, as, a, as, a, as a small book that is a daily coaching, however you want to look at it, but it's all science. It's, it's basic science. And, you know, my background, my formal um, education is in communications and psychology. So I'm just taking it from, you know, a quantum physics, pure science. I'm not adding any spirituality into it, so, so in hopes that I can take it into the corporate arena and present it as, you know, this is psychology, this is communications, this is, this is um, quantum physics, uh, this is brain biology, and, and, and I'm enjoying presenting it that way because I think that there's people that might not otherwise, you know, there's a lot of people out there who will go, law of attraction, oh, please, and they'll make fun of it. And so I'm just dog determined to show those people that, no, it's not just our imagination. We are using our imagination to create our reality, and, and you know, here's how it works. And so that's kind of, that's kind of the approach that I'm taking lately. So is your pocket coach, coach book out already? Oh no, no, I'm no, I've, I'm only halfway done writing it. I wrote oh, it. I wrote it after. Yeah. So the the law of distraction, which has much of the same information, but it's just not as it's not as streamlined. Um, that one's coming out in a few weeks. But I I meditated one day about a month ago, and in the meditation I got because when you meditate every day, you're going to get intuition no matter what, and it just comes to you. And it came to me that this is great, but you're doing a lot of corporate speaking, and there's people that you need to reach this information to, and the way you're going to do it is by by speaking on their level. And so they don't want the fluff. 
enough. They don't want the universe loves you. They don't want, you know, all this stuff is true. The universe does love us, but they don't want to hear that because they're sitting in a conference room and I'm supposed to be helping them with their performance. So they don't want to hear the universe loves them. They don't want to, they don't want to put a crystal in their corner. They want to know how the hell do I get my sales up. And, and so I, I have found a way, I believe, to present it in such a way that, that it would be, you can't argue with it. You can't argue with science. You can't argue with double-blind studies. I think one of the, the hold-ups that happens a lot of times with a lot of the law of attraction, which I 100% believe in all of that, is I think people sometimes think, well, if I just stand around and talk about it, it will happen. But, of course, there's also the law of action, right? Yep. So you have the law of attraction, which gives you the, you know, helps you create the dream, but you also have to take the steps forward to actually accomplish that dream and do the work. You know, Stephen Pressfield is one of my favorite authors, and he, he talks about that all the time. It's like, it's great to dream about it and talk about it, which is a vital part of it. I think it's, you know, step one and the most right. important part. But there's also the follow-up, which is, have to also, you know, do the work and get the stuff done. So I think that that pocket coach will be huge in uh, kind of a marrying of those two philosophies, if you will. Thank you, and, and that's the idea. And you know, and you hit it spot on. Every single thing in the world starts with a thought, and then what happens is we are given inspiration. From our vibrations of those thoughts and ideas, we're given inspiration as to what action. Because, yeah, there's the, there's the spiritual and the invisible realm, and that's where our thoughts preside. But then we've got to use our – if we're, we, we want to create something in the physical reality that we live in, we have to use our physical, um, our physical tools to do it. And that's our body and our voice, and we have to make it happen. But what happens by and far too, too, too much is that people start to force change. So take your, one of your real estate agents, for example. You have a real estate agent, and they're like, okay, I got this. I am going to be a top producer. I'm going to specialize in this. And, and, and they've just really got this game plan, and they've written it down, and they've seen it in their mind, and they're ready to roar. But all of a sudden, they get a late bill in the mail. Now they have to force it. Now they're not giving themselves time to get inspired action or really listening intuitively to understand what should you do next. Instead, they're going, I got to go. And they run outside and they're knocking on doors. And that energy of that force, of that scarcity, of that I need money, that fear, it just pours out of them. And so every single person that's on the other end of it is going to like shut the door in their face. Whereas if that same agent made those plans, had that intention, sat down, meditated, even maybe put a little prayer out and said, okay, just tell me what to do next, I'm all ears, and just waited, something would come up that would give them a clear feeling, an indication, a hint, a sign, and then if it happened to be knocking on doors, they would step outside, they would knock on doors, and their energy would be so different that it would not repel the person on the other side of the door. The person on the other side of the door would be receptive, and if they don't have something to offer them, they'll at least they'll at least give them the confidence boost by not shutting the door in their face. So you see, that's the difference in taking forced action and inspired action. What a what a powerful statement. That's I've not heard it quite uh, expressed that way. That's a great way to look at it because you're right. Many times, you know, you'll be all pumped up, all excited, your day's on fire, and then something happens to just set you all the way back. And I think recovering from that is where most people really struggle. 
is that once you get that, you know, kind of push back, how do you recover from that? What is it you have to do to be able to feel that same positive energy? You know, I always uh, laugh because there was a guy who spoke at PCAR a few years ago, and he talked about um, disco music <laughs> and how nobody can have a be, be mad or sad around disco music, right? So a lot of times when I'm having a moment or I wake up on the wrong side of bed, I'll just crank up the disco music, dance around my house for a bit, and all of a sudden I feel good <laughs> and feel better and my energy feels better and the whole bit. I love it. Oprah I love it. it. Oprah says it good, too. She says, be responsible for the energy you bring to the room. And that is huge. Is it Just take a deep breath sometimes and think about, you know, how blessed you are and what you have around you, and that will change your energy so that when you walk into the room, you have a more powerful force and a more powerful um, state of mind. Yeah, disco music is what works for me. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. I can't imagine being mad to, she's a brick house. <laughs> I just can't imagine. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, so when is your book coming out? A couple weeks? And how can people get it? Actually, in, in fact, I'll, I'll be happy to send you an invitation. I'm actually having a, a champagne uh, book launch party on June 28th at four o'clock, um, just for an hour. Fantastic. Um, and I'm I'm in I'm inviting I'm inviting some friends, so you're absolutely invited. And um, yeah, so that'll that'll be the first time I'm going to make it available, and that'll be that'll be the celebration. And and there's a workbook that's coming out with it, and we're going to start doing intention workshops. So I've I've got I'm kind of putting a lot of my baskets in one egg. Of course I'll still teach, but I I am when I say I'm stepping away from the real estate industry, I'm stepping away from it um, as a as a salesperson to a large degree. I mean, like I said, you know I'll take a listing here and there for my friends, but I'm not I'm not active and I'm definitely not working with buyers. So it's it's a scary thing after you've had it in your blood for years and and uh, you know I think you know what I mean because you've been doing it for so long. You know what, I think that that's a good thing, though. I think you have so much more to give to the world and offer the industry as a whole. And I, I see that only as a positive thing for you, and I think it's going to really skyrocket and take off. Well, thank you. And I, I see that for you as well. I mean, you're, you are taking, a, you know, excuse the cliche, but you're taking to, to the podcast and the mentoring and the coaching like a duck to water. Um, and, and, you know, you said something about, well, how many houses do I need to sell? Well, maybe that for you, maybe intuitively you're getting the, the hint that you can sell a lot of houses and make a lot of money, but that there's going to be that empty feeling when you have more to offer. And I believe 100% that we are put on this planet. And this is, this is my, this is my 100% belief. We are put on this planet with a gift and we use that gift in a way that serves other people. And that's when, that's when we come full circle. And, and that's, you know, you had to sell a lot of houses to get to the point to where now you have so much to teach and you're growing on your own. You know, you're growing as far as your own, your own spirituality and your own personal growth. Now you have something to give back that is, you're just powerful at it. And I mean, I can see that, and I'm sure your agents see it as well. Well, thank you so much, Tamara. You're welcome. So with that, I'm going to wrap up. If you are interested in getting any of Tamara's books, seeing her videos, or all of the amazing stuff she does, be sure to go to her website at tamaradoris.net. We'll also post a link on my website um, below this podcast. And I just want to thank you so much for your time. I'm looking forward to your book launch. I'll for sure be there. 
And let us know if there's anything we can do to help you because you are definitely a bright light in this industry, and and we appreciate all that you do. I thank you so much, Marguerite. Thank you for having me. You bet. Have a great day, everybody.